of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fella in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool <laughs> fan can say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Right, to the uh, big European action last night. Graham Hunter, good morning to you. How are you? Oh, no, no, no. Stop right there. Why is it now that Owen's finally been outed, no mention of the anti-Scottish stuff. Again, nothing. If you're taking time to, to put a magnifying glass in his behaviour, just go the full way. That's all I'm asking, even-handedness. Owen is uh, pro-Glasgow, pro-Edinburgh, but for some reason he just doesn't like There's Aberdeen. There's my point. There's my point. Something, something about it rubbed him up the wrong way. Didn't like the weather. Team's beginning with A. How can we start like this after a night like that? I don't know what happened last night. We're trying to establish, is there flakiness or is it just that, like, do because certainly a lot of the reaction was, ah, oh, typical city, this is, ah, oh, look at Pep. But actually, Real Madrid are a team full of absolute winners who are cutthroat, who are uh, just coming off the back of a league title where they've really cantered to the league and not gotten that much credit for it because of the difficulties at Atletico and, and Barca and you know, many of those players have three or four Champions League medals. So should we really be that surprised that they're able to dig something out when they're at home, when everything's on the line? Like, I realise it's shocking that it happens in such I, a I, short I, space of time, but what, is the, is, are we too I, inclined I to blame be, than give yeah. credit? I, I don't know. I think analytically, but you blame, um, I think, is, is for your social media um, viewers. The, the, the larger part of the people you're referring to were off the pitch by the time the game turned round. So Real Madrid are full of hard-bitten, characterful serial winners. But Christian Modric and Casemiro, you know, were gone by the time the turnaround happened. And, and the, the ones you're talking about, Ubi Courtois, who's saved from Grealish, is astonishing. Absolutely. I, I'm not quite sure how he manages to get a stud to it and why that stud is enough to divert the ball. And Benzema, you know, people talk about a slightly quiet game during the bulk of it. That cutback on the touchline for Rodrigo de Dartin, for a guy um, who's playing through pain, for a guy of his age, to be not only that athletic and, and gymnastic, but to direct the ball in the only place where Rodrigo could get to it, I thought was astonishing. To convert the penalty again, having come into this tie uh, with a record of missing three of his previous five penalties. Um, makes Benzema... It, I mean, I, I cannot believe that there'll be a different Ballon d'Or winner um, when it's awarded. It, it has to be him. But the reason I said blame when you mentioned the word needs to be taken away when we took a scalpel to this game to examine it. At the beginning of the season, I heard you, Bobby emailed into you or wrote into you about Kane needing to go to City win trophies. That needs a little bit more looking at. At the beginning of the season, or in the summer, pardon me, who did City try to buy? Not just Harry Kane. They, know, they knew they needed a goal scorer. They, they knew they needed a nine. They went for him. They went all in. Daniel Levy said, no, they couldn't get him. The reason that I think in November I, I had a little punt on Liverpool to win the title was I couldn't believe that if a series of football brains as, as impressive as there are around City said we need Harry Kane. I couldn't believe that their season would not show a lack of that player. Not necessarily him, but an outright goal scorer. 
And if you sum up this whole tie, um, which I, I mean, I my, my arithmetic isn't very good, but it was two ninety minutes plus a thirty minutes. What does that make? Two, does that make two hundred and ten? No, two hundred twenty. Two hundred ten minutes. Madrid were behind for one hundred seventy-nine of the two hundred ten minutes, and in the first leg now, if you because you for a knockout semi-final tie, if you only analyse based on last night, I think it's a mistake. And City should have had a three-goal margin from the home leg. And and we kind of just tuck that away after that game going onward to the Bernabeu. And I, I admit that having seen the way Real Madrid defended in Europe against Paris Saint-Germain in the vast majority of the two games and at Chelsea in the second leg, and for little spells at Stamford Bridge, I expected City to win. I, I can't deny that. I did expect going into the game that, that City would have the players to to keep the ball well, that they would defend better than Real Madrid, and that they would they would probably win two one. That was my idea, and and therefore we tucked away and, and forgot a little bit about the fact that they blew this tie at home. Um, they definitely did blow it at home, right? They also then appear to have been able to blow it in the last fifteen minutes of normal time, but. And this, this is going to sound a bit weird, but the first 15 minutes of the second half seemed to give Real Madrid a lot more courage about what the potential outcome was going to be, even though they didn't manage to score in that time. The, there was like a reservoir at the end of the game where they're like, hang on, we created a lot of chances earlier, we just didn't hit the target with them, um, which maybe gave them the comfort to keep going. So, like, there's a million different moments, as there are in any 210-minute game that you can point to that, that ends up... Um, on a knife edge like that last night is there a trend beyond the lack of a goal scorer because they, they scored loads of goals is there a trend in that over those two legs that Manchester City have that suggests that this is still short of being a Champions League winning team that there's something still wrong in the makeup of the team or in what they're trying to do uh, that's uh, such a gigantic question that for once in our 20 something year friendship I'm going to be a little bit tentative for, for my taste, when you play Pep Guardiola football, you need to be exceptional at it. Absolutely exceptional. I think it's a slight high-wire act that it, it has less capacity to, to go wrong or have an off night or have mistakes than other more robust, more basic styles of football, in my opinion. I think it's extremely... You know, it's it's whether you appreciate it or like it or don't. It's it's quite high art. It's quite complicated, and I think that your your players are drilled in a way of acting and way of thinking, which isn't about, you know, we're in this, we're street fighting, we're, we're going to be at the, the 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 way in which these players are drilled for for each of the clubs he's coached. I'm not solely talking about Manchester City now, and my point of reference, I you know I saw more Barcelona football under Pep than I did Bayern Munich and City I would have seen more quite a lot of time than he was when he was in Bayern Munich and I interviewed more a lot of interviewed players at Bayern Munich under him and at City under him I got to know the Barcelona players under him much more and they talked a lot about needing to be 1-0 up they they talked a lot about how you know they could struggle if they didn't go ahead and they felt fear they felt more till they just played in a different way and for my taste, City when they're they're a team of extremes. If they feel fit mentally and physically, there are very few teams that can cope with them and 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 keep up with them, keep up with their movements, keep up with their decision making. And it was movement um, a week ago that completely undid Madrid. I, I thought that 
city were able to dart into spaces that Real Madrid were bewildered by, couldn't keep up with. And yet there was a complete change of energy. Um, Real Madrid is a... I don't know how to explain the fact that if we're talking about... You're talking about City's culture there. Real Madrid's culture, um, we, we now would be wrong to, to say it rests in Cruz and Modric and Casemiro and Courtois and Benzema because it was Camavinga and Rodrigo, um, extremely young, not brought up in the Real Madrid culture, who did extraordinary things in added time. Well, it's, this is interesting, right? Because I actually had to Google some of the players on the bench last night for City. That The unused players were two two goalkeepers. Scott Carson is still one of them. Zach Steffen, who we obviously most recently saw have that howler. Nathan Aki, everybody knows him. But then it's Conrad Egan Riley, it's Cole Palmer, it's James McAtee and Romeo Lavia. I, I hadn't heard of Lavia. He's a Belgian. I don't... I, none of those players are of the standard of... Champions League semi-final second leg I'm going to look at my bench and I'm going to bring them on now the players that he did bring on obviously Sterling and Grealish Gundogan Fernandinho and Zinchenko so it's not like the bench was, was, wasn't was didn't have five players that he could use but it feels a little bit like the squad is not as developed as you might think for the, the billion they've spent I think it's a handy thing to say I think Cole Palmer looks as if he's going to be extraordinary your point is about last night you know, Madrid didn't use their entire bench either, and I think that it's more about it was more that what you, happened they, they, from they those went, who came on. Yeah, exactly. But it's that they went and they got they went and they got Vinicius and they got Rodrigo and and um, and that like for for all of the ills at, uh, and the wanton uh, waste of money that Real Madrid have, have had in recent seasons. They have also tried to buy the best. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm. No, 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 Jared. Listen, but you, but you made two points there. Listen, you, you looked at City's bench and you had a slightly critical eye when you put a magnifying glass on those that didn't come off the bench. First of all, they didn't come off the bench. You know, so I, I, I don't think that's why City went out. Secondly, you're right that Madrid have had. They, they were extremely articulate about it, or Florentino Perez was, when they were signing Vinicius and Rodrigo. What they didn't say was it was caused by pain. It's Newton's law of every action and equal and opposite reaction. When Neymar went to Barcelona, he had been due to go to Real Madrid. Real Madrid absolutely 100% believed believed they'd signed him. The pain and the humiliation for Florentino Perez of Sandro Rosé saying to Neymar, come on over here, the water's lovely, and Neymar going, yes. Um, There might have been some financial incentives involved in it. Who knows? Football's strange. And Lontino said to his, uh, his his scouting staff, Juni Calapat particularly, get me the next three or four Neymars. We'll stick it up them. There, there's, there are, you know, there are very few, few things in life, not mind football, that are more of a motivation than being humiliated and saying we're coming back from this. So they, they went out and they said, you know, find us the Brazilians. Now for Rainier, who's at um, Borussia Dortmund, the experiment failed. But for Vinicius and Rodrigo, they've bought two young, very extraordinary men, very characterful men, um, who have a tendency to score or make huge goals. And in the meantime, Florentino Perez said, we cannot compete with the state clubs unless we buy the world's best young players before anybody else sees them. So it's been an outright policy, and it's been a policy to buttress the £800 they've spent in the stadium. So the stadium looked quite nice last night, and I think the stadium hosted a small element of why Roman did one because the fans 
although there are, there are small smatterings of, of fans, I can't promise it was Romanian fans. There's brilliant footage in this country today of stuff that's a little bit like Istanbul with, with people just outside the point of bail, scattering and trying to run back in as the, as the first Rodrigo goal goes in. But the majority of the fans not only didn't leave, they believed. It, it's it's just, uh, it's a hypnotic condition. But how it gets passed to the youngers, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Because you can tell them, but what we experience over our careers is we see that the absolute fire that we witness in great sportsmen and women usually is not part of a club culture. The club culture fosters it, grows it, but it has to be in them to begin with. They have to be made of the right stuff. How do you scout that? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. But the youngers have got it at Real Madrid and City lost to a club last night that over the coming years, that arena they were playing in, I mean, imminently, it won't be a football arena. It's an event arena with the pitch sunken down and taken away underneath the, the uh, Paseo Castellano so that they, it's going to be you know rock concerts, it's going to be conferences, it's going to be exhibitions, and they're going to make money hand over fist. And finally, instead of just buying the world's best youngsters, they'll be back to buying the world's Galacticos again. We're entering a Real Madrid era, although, in my honest opinion, I'll say it now and I'll defend it later, they're not going to beat Liverpool in Paris. Before we move on to that, just if I could do some like amateur psychoanalysis on, on Pep and dig a little bit deeper into this. Like when, when you talk about the first leg being the, the, the leg where Manchester City essentially lose this, like Pep afterwards was very, very positive, you know, like really saying, you know, we've beaten one of the best teams in the world. Very, very happy, like kind of reminiscent of that very famous Pep interview where he's like, I'm more happy than you believe when the reporter asks, you know, why, why aren't you so happy that, that, that there's always this sort of sense from Pep, uh, not always, but often a sense from Pep trying to put forward a more positive sense of things than you really believe they are inside his own head and you get why he does that you get why he wants to send out that message but I wonder did that message seep into his own consciousness and into the consciousness of the team that they were further ahead in this tie than they really were in between the two games it's, now we're only dealing in opinions mm. and I'm trying to get in the head of somebody as complex as, as Pat Guardiola is he's like trying to do one of these Rubik's Cues blindfolded yeah. you know I, I think largely we'll be uh, urinating into the wind um, but but knowing him, away, I would my answer. My, my, well, somebody's got got urine on their trousers, Owen, and it's one of us, um, and it's the anti-English one. Look, the, 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 the thing I would sorry about going back to that. The thing I would say about knowing him is 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 no. Um, the players are are wholly accustomed to Pep's idiosyncrasies and and what he says to the cameras, with whom he has. I hate hate relationship most of the time. He's not what he's saying to them, and I don't think either the players of Pep were in any way shaped by what he said to the public after that game. They live and breathe. For example, again, when Pep ever talks about his brand of football information, he only ever says it's about winning, not entertaining, not being cleverer than other coaches, about winning. And he says, why does he want to have the ball, possess the ball, and press the ball? He said, well, the further the ball is away from our own goal, the happier I'll be. I play, he said, I'm a much more defensive coach than people give me credit for. I don't want to let in goals. He came out of that game, I I will guarantee you, disgusted that they didn't score eight and almost as disgusted that they let in three. And that's the way that the players will have approached this second. And let's be be frank, I think if if we try and... 
uh, claw a, a city narrative out of what happened in the couple of minutes uh, when Rodrigo scored twice. My opinion is we'll probably be making a mistake because it, the first goal genuinely, you, you can say who was moving with Rodrigo, I accept that. The first goal was utterly extraordinary. Benzema's action in that first goal should, should live in our brains like forever. The analysis of why City didn't go through will, will pale and peter out over the coming weeks. The, what Benzema did ranks, you know, up there with with stuff that you know we saw when we were kids and we still remember with the glow. That, that's my honest opinion. I think we saw utter and complete brilliance. Um, here is one that I just want to read you. Incredible finish of that game last night. If Real win the final, is there an argument to be made that the Cruz, Modric, Casemiro midfield is better than Xavi, Busquets, Iniesta? I suppose if you're locked away in a high security prison, you've nothing better to do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, you know that's fine. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it when this comes up. It's you know, it's a really easy way to waste a good interview opportunity. <laughs> you should. You should oh, I wonder what I wonder what Cruz and Modric and Casemiro would say at this stage. Well, they would, they, would, they would probably say, who cares? When My experience of, again, a male and female sport is that when you get players of such elite ability, do you think that if you had the fortune of having Casimir and Cruz and Modric on the show, they would go, yeah, they were, they were pants. You know, they were wildly overrated. That, that Javi could barely play in any star. It went on off his shin in the World Cup final. No. Um, do they have different elements to them? Yes, they do. Um, are there... Are there deep similarities between Casemiro and Busquets in their relationship with yellow and red cards. Yeah, I think there are a lot of similarities. But, I mean, how would you, what, on what comparison points would you start to tick off the yeses and nos between Cruz and, and Xavi or Cruz and Iniesta? I think it's a nonsensical idea. It's just, from, from my taste, there are, you know, there are a vast array of differences, height, physique, um, style of playing. But if you talk about achievement and character, then from my personal taste, it's like you pay your money, you take your choice. If somebody wants to say, I prefer the attitude and mentality and style of playing of Chris Modric and Casemiro, I'll salute that flag, fair play, go on, enjoy yourself. Better than, well, that's just pants, isn't it? Um, yeah, and look, it's a, it's a reductive way of talking about these, but that, that trio, I think, is definitely going to go down in... in footballing history for sure. although the fact that as you pointed out they're off the field last night is um, is one of those little caveats that we need to remember if they go on ahead and, and, and somehow manage to overturn Liverpool in the final then um, we can come back to that uh, so I, I guess to, to just reframe this again let's not just analyse the minute let's analyse the two ties and let's remember that Man City were chronically in need they thought of an out and out number nine is there? This is again speculation. Is there a point where Pep has had enough of this, or is the singular desire to win the Champions League with Manchester City going to come to define him? And this is his white whale, and he sticks at it like Ferguson stuck at it until he eventually got there. First of all, I think he's quite happy at City. I think that um, the idea of him being utterly obsessed by the Champions League it, that diminishes a little bit in that. Um, what have they been? I forget the year before the final. So they're now finalists, semi-finalists. Were they semi-finalists, finalists, semi-finalists? I think a couple of seasons ago. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm reaching. I, I think that 
the, the, when you are near, but you don't do it, I don't think the obsession absolutely grows exponentially. I think if you're analytical like Pep, you know that you're a little bit of luck or an outstanding performance for your team or a better striker away from, from winning it. I think the trajectory, if this if the nar- narrative weren't exposed about Pep's um, blinding obsession about winning the Champions League, and we were looking at a side that's never won it, having been final, semi-final, you'd be saying, well, with the addition of Haaland, this is coming. So I think the, the, the way we tell this story can be tilted a little bit because Pep is such a divisive, idiosyncratic guy and who, because he taunts and teases when he gets questions he doesn't like, <laughs> it piques everybody's interest and those who don't enjoy him, don't like him, are, are loving the opportunity to rub salt in the wound. And I think that while he patently craves winning it, to, to think about it as something as an all-consuming obsession, the only reason he would stay at a club, again, I I don't think that gets the measure of Guardiola. If he stays at this club, where he's at now, which certainly for this season I expect him to do, he, he's it's not going to be because he, he sits at night, you know, with, with you know, who's that super fan in Alan Partridge who had Partridge tattooed on his body and images of him everywhere and, and, and Alan runs away and shouts, you're a mentalist. I don't think we're ever going to see little Ford and going into Pep's flat and seeing tattoos of, of the Champions League all over his eyelids and run away and shout you're a mentalist. I, I also I also don't think that, that Pep is either tired or beaten. And you know, I could be wrong, but I don't expect him to take a sabbatical. I do think he's happy at City. I do think he thinks he's close to it. Until last night there was a distinct possibility of them becoming English and, and European champions. And, and they lost. They lost. You know, lost a side which is obsessed too. Yeah. You know, obsessed, and 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 we treat that as a healthy thing about Real Madrid. No, totally, totally, and that and that has been incredibly successful for them. I I was asking if there's a, a bit of a, a sliding doors moment then in terms of the transfer policy. Do they break the bank to get Declan Rice because they feel like as well as the striker that a midfielder, somebody who could be an extra defender for them if they wanted to to inject that, whatever it takes next season to make sure they get over the line is this the summer they do that or is Haaland the only thing that comes in in the summer and you think okay that's fine we're going to add that one piece because we're just one piece away I, I don't know their finances well enough to, to give you that answer I'd be bluffing I don't think there's a point in doing that I think my my opinion is that the Haaland thing has been very close to agreed for some weeks um, I'll be fascinated I'll be absolutely fascinated you know, Haaland is is a young man. We forget that because he's best deal in how he plays and performs, and he's bright and he's articulate. His agent just uh, died, and there's no question he'll sat and watched that last night. Um, d- does it influence you if you think Roman are still interested in pairing you and Mbappe? <laughs> Did you look at that last night and go, "Whoa, I want a slice of that attitude. I want a slice of that fan base. I want." I want a slice of that glory. I have no idea if it influences you or not. And and in business terms, I think the Real Madrid, Haaland, I think they were second runners after City with Bayern Munich third. I, I personally don't think Haaland is going to Bayern Munich. I, I sat with people from a very high-ranking Premier Club a couple of mornings ago with them saying, in their analytical view, the Bundesliga is in decline and that the, the teams there are, are not exceptional. And that is part of the reason that Bayern Munich haven't um, gone on, trotted on this this uh, this tournament because they're being measured against slightly lesser sides week in week out, and therefore I 
I think Haaland will know that isn't staying there. I think the, the, the City thing is extremely close. But if you want, we're all still slack-jawed about that. and We don't have an opportunity to go and earn £30 million a season by playing for them. I just wonder, speculatively, what's Haaland's thoughts this morning, having watched that. So that might still be up for grabs. Um, and if that's the case, then you'd have to assume City will load up elsewhere to try and... and... I'm, only, I'm only interested, Ger. I'm only interested in it. If you're a youngster, if you're, what is he, 21, and you're sitting and watch that and you know that there's still a possibility and your world's been tipped upside down because your agent's no longer alive, I, I just it just intrigues me. I'd like, I mean, playing at a brand spanking new stadium alongside the likes of Camavinga and Rodrigo over the next little while. That doesn't sound just too those, unappetizing. Those sort of the other thing those is though, that you're, you're the one then who becomes the Messiah at City, where, you know, you have in your memory your, your dad, those, that shirt, that colour. You know, you're the one who delivers for them what nobody else I'm could not deliver. Making, I'm not making a case that he changed his mind. I just think it would be naive to think that because all our industry is obsessed about is figures and money to, to, to for us to believe, and I know this a fact. I believe you do too. That, that footballers also think about what will my working once once the money is equal. Once I'm about to become, you know, a, a billionaire, how will it be? What will living be like? Yeah. What will What's the like? weather like? Will I have a family. What will, what will the football be like? What's the culture like? What's the golf that, course like? Count. Well, I don't know. No, don't. Don't be annoying me now. Come on, we got it. We got it. We got to finish. I'm really, I'm really, I'm Just really glad he was sitting on his sofa at home with his baked beans and toast watching that. That's, you know, hi Gareth. Where, where's and um, there's no prospect of another minutes football for him or Eden Hazard for Real Madrid ever? Is there? Well, no, 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 no. Don't, don't pair them. Don't pair okay. them, Jared. There, is, there isn't a prospect of a, a, a another minutes for 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 Bale. In the in the view and the voice of just about every Madridista, but Ancelotti's different. I, I couldn't swear to you that Ancelotti won't won't allow Bale on for a minute. You know, at, at one of the thank you games for the league because Ancelotti is is made of different stuff. Would he be just about the only person? He probably would care more about that than Bale would do. I I, I hate seeing Bale injured. And I wish him the absolute best, um, except in any putative playoff for the World Cup between Wales and Scotland, when, you know, I hope he's got a back spasm then. Um, neither he nor his agents have um, in any way covered themselves in glory over the last year. And the mudslinging they do to Real Madrid, it takes no account of the way in which um, this situation has degenerated on their side as well. And I if, if Gareth Bale is sitting watching that at home last night and, and not going... She was a wall. I wish I'd even, you know, been on the bench, come off the bench for that. If he feels no pang having watched that, then then he's made of even more different gravy than I thought he was. But don't pair them with Hazard. Hazard has had the plate taken out of a, you know, a metal plate taken out of an ankle injury. That boy um, made a huge mistake about eating crisps and drinking beer in the summer he was joining Roma and, and joined the club fat. Since then. It's not been his fault. He's, he's been dogged by injuries. He's been superseded by players who are performing out of their skin. He wants to be there. His contract remains. I don't think he'll accept a move. His contract lasts. Bills is, is up. Um, I I think it would be sensible for Hazard to move on. I, I, I think that it's one of these things that just hasn't worked. But I go back to the fact that his current problems today date back to 
a moment in a Paris Saint-Germain match at the Bernabeu where Real Madrid were trouncing Paris Saint-Germain and Meunier stepped on um, Hazard's ankle and since then his ankle's been, you know, jungle. And his attitude and his behaviour and his willingness to be ready for duty differentiate himself from Gareth Bale, who for two-thirds of his career needed to be defended and lauded and praised and better appreciated. And then for the final third... um, has made the bed he's lying in. He phoned it in for sure. Graham, great stuff. Thanks a million.